Welcome to the 46th episode of the New Ventures podcast. I'm your host Sanjoy Sania, the founder of Regain Paradise, a boutique climate finance firm and a visiting fellow at the Cambridge Judge Business School. I host the New Ventures podcast to help people starting new climate initiatives learn from others who are already progressed in their paths. Our guest for today is Ben Houston, founder of the Crisp Packet project, which takes plastic crisp packets and turns into all sorts of useful products. For example, survival blankets that can be used by the homeless. And this is an example of a circular economy company that is also making an impact in the cost of the living crisis. So we're going to talk about how you can scale efforts like hers. Welcome Ben. Hello there. Ben, let's start by asking you what type of useful products do you make? And of course from what types of plastic waste? So here at the Crisp Packet project we make survival items out of one clear plastic waste and crisp packet and we send them around the UK and Ukraine. We make a survival blanket which is 75 crisp packets, torso mats, ponchos out of clear plastic waste, wash kits full with wash kit items, biffy bags which are about 117 crisp packets, weave mats out of clear plastic waste and drawstring bags. Great. Well, that is already a long list, Ben. Is there a main product or is there a demand for all types of these products? And of course, my next question is what type of people use them? Our main product that we send out is a survival blanket, which can range from 44 crisp packets to 75 crisp packets. The quickest thing to make for us and our less fortunate community or someone, you know, who's struggling to even heat their home can use them. They're just a, a big sheet of crisp packet that you can wrap around them they can kneel on it they can put over the tent basically the reflective properties in the blanket reflect your body heat back into your body so it keeps you warmer for longer and so yeah it takes about an hour to make a survival sheet or survival blanket well one hour to keep you warm and you know you started in 2019 and you operate out of Hastings how many items have you sold over the last three years and the other flip side of this is, of course, how much plastic waste have you been able to recycle? So basically, since the start of this project, we've made over 5,000 items, obviously all different items that we've sent out. We've basically saved 400,000 crisp packets that are destined to landfill. That 16,000 square metres of clear plastic waste, which is pretty much 133 football pitches. So, yeah, that's all was destined for a life in landfill, giving it new life to help someone that has nothing living on our, sadly, living on our streets. In particular, can you reflect a little bit on the progress or the challenges during the pandemic? With our project, we had to stop, obviously, when we were in lockdown. A lot of our volunteers soldier away at home making these items, and I was able to drop off from their sort of gateway items so that they could carry on making these items at a distance but we hold workshops one day a week and every other Sunday here at Hastings HQ and we've got a very productive team of volunteers there's about 15 of us in total as I say some work with us in the workshop and some work from home 
And has there been an uptick in this winter? So we've seen the a demand on people wanting these pretty much the same as last year or years before, to be honest. We have seen the uh, demand on items being used more in-house, in, in your home, because of the cost of energy prices going up, which is sad to see in this climate. Just to clarify, and before we move on to the next section, you use crisp packets, which is like the potato chips, and you use clear plastic waste, which is, I guess, some things that are used in packaging. Could you just confirm this? And then I'm curious to know, would the ban on single-use plastic have an impact on the supply? So we use clear plastic waste. Basically, it's not too thick and not too thin. You can get it from leading supermarkets. We get it from a sofa company. Their soft furnishings come in. It doesn't want to be too biodegradable because we want it to last. It fuses extremely well. You can patch if you've got a hole as well. If it's too thick, it won't fuse um, and it will just peel back off the crisp packet. We get them so they're in really big bags. Again, you don't have to get them as bags. They can be much smaller. As I say, they fuse very well together if you get the right clear plastic. We tend to go for clear plastic because we want the reflective properties, the crisp packet, to work. So if you put a darker colour over, it's not going to work as well. And then ban on clear plastic waste is not really going to affect us because it's all going to be cutlery, straws, I think balloons, balloon sticks. Supposedly in 2025, they are going to ban crisp packets in the UK. So this banning plastic waste, um, which is coming in at the end of the year, is actually not going to affect us at all. Great. Ben, we'll move on to the next section, which is what I said we will talk about. You know, how do you scale businesses like this? But just to recap for our audience, you started in 2019. Your main product is what you call a survival blanket to help people just be warm. It takes one hour to make a survival blanket, so one hour to keep a person warm for the entire winter. And it means that's a really big thing. And products that you use would have otherwise gone to landfill. Uh, they're not biodegradable. I think that's an important point that you made. And there will be a reasonably strong supply over the next few years. So businesses like you need to come up and need to be able to reach more people. And that's exactly what we're going to talk about in the next section. You mentioned that it's a volunteer-driven organization, Ben. Is it a completely volunteer-driven organization? Yeah, we're all volunteers here, making one use, making items out of clear plastic and crisp packets. The only money we take is when we do workshops that are out of house, but we get funding through different organizations for that. But attracting volunteers isn't walk in the park. So, you know, how do you attract volunteers, especially in the early days? How do you do it? Well, because we started up the big weave, which was weaving Weave Max out of clear plastic waste, word of mouth got about. And then when I came up with the idea of the crisp packets, social media helped along quite a bit with that, getting volunteers. But we've got a fantastic community down here in Hastings. And as I say, uh, word of mouth is, is great. Obviously, social media helps a lot. And, and we've had our volunteers pretty much, I'd say, half of our volunteers have started right at the beginning and are still with us now. So half your volunteers have started at the beginning and are with you now. So what's the total number of volunteers that you have in, in the community of Hastings today? 
So we have about 15 volunteers down here on the South Coast. Lovely. And tell us a little bit about these 15 people. I mean, are they young people or the retired people? Just give us a try and create a word, word picture, if you may. So the age range is probably um, about, I'd say, late 40s. But we have had teenagers come in and do their Duke of Edinburgh with us, which is fantastic. Um, we do have other organisations like the Scouts and organisations like that that jump on board. But pretty much our 15 volunteers are um, semi-retired. Some are business owners. And they just love coming in here because it's a social thing as well as making something to help someone. And when you mean come in, how many hours do they volunteer and, and what do they do? Do they make these survival blankets and other products or do they do other tasks as well? We run our workshops every Wednesday for two hours and every other Sunday for two hours. So pretty much our volunteers come in on those workshops they also work tirelessly at home making these items. So we will get um, half the items done pretty much in the workshop and then they finish them off at home. We have uh, volunteers that just do strips of crisp packets for us, not just our volunteers in Hastings. We have people that are making these items in grid format and then they send them in through the posts. That's a great help for us. We also have many, many volunteers that wash and clean crisp packets and send them in to us because we're unable to accept any unwashed crisp packets now because we're so inundated with crisp packets. Ben, listening to you is not just the 15 people, right? You have other people who are collecting crisp packets, washing them and sending them to you from the entire country or is it the county? Pretty much the whole of the UK washes and prepares crisp packets for us and sends them in nice and flat. Obviously, when we were um, we had our post open, we accepted unwashed crisp packets because we send the unwashed ones now to TerraCycle, which raises funds for CPP and the rainforest. But we are so inundated with unwashed crisp packets now, we can't keep up with them. But yeah, we do have a lot of volunteers making strips, fusing strips of four together for us and strips um, of six or 15 rows of four and send them into us. Uh, the, the community of the UK is absolutely amazing. They don't just help the Hastings branch, they help other CPP area groups because this is a worldwide project. And we have about um, 13 CPP area group, groups worldwide now. So um, it's not just about Hastings CPP. I think this is really interesting how the area groups have sprouted up. Tell us a little bit about these 13, where are they? How did they sprout up? Uh, what is the relationship Hastings has with them? Okay, so when we first started this, a lot of people wanted to jump on board and start up their own CPP area group, which was fantastic. I think a lot of them didn't realise how much it was involved in running an area group. We did have 42 area groups worldwide at one stage, and we're now down to about 13. Most of them are very productive. They have their own volunteers or some of them are actually doing it totally on their own but do have their community helping them cleaning crisp packets or making items for them we have a new zealand cpp which has now become a charity we have two australian groups we have about six uk groups we did originally have uh, some in canada france and portugal but sadly 
their support groups now we changed it just slightly recently to a support group because they weren't able to get as many volunteers in to help their projects so they basically just share information about cpp right so when you call it the cpp you call it the chris packet project and one thing that had struck me even when i read about it is you don't call it a crisp packet company. You call it a crisp packet project. Is there a particular reason for choosing this word itself? So when we started up the crisp packet project, it wasn't actually my name. A lady called Caroline Jane Miller, she actually opened a Facebook page called the crisp packet project because she wanted to get crisp packets for me. And then she realized it was out of control and the Facebook page crashed at 3000 likes. So whether I would have called it Chris Packet Project, I don't know. But because it's a project, everyone feels like they want to jump on board, which is absolutely fantastic. So we have other people making items and they've set up their own group named something different, which is fantastic because it's all about helping the planet with one use plastic waste and helping someone with nothing. So everything we do is uh, free for anyone to help someone in a difficult situation. So the Chris Packet Project is a fantastic name, really. I don't know whether or not I would have come up with that one. Exactly. But I do want to understand the role of the area groups a little better. So for example, I guess UK groups, you know, just to focus on them for a minute. They also make the entire range of products that you talked about at the beginning. It is not that they collect and wash the crisp packets and send it to you. That anybody can do from anywhere in the UK. Just help us understand how does the area groups differ from just being a volunteer? Our area groups will make and create the items from all our diagrams on our website and they will send them out to their community um, outreach charities or they will email me and if they haven't got enough of certain items we can send them items to help them right and your international groups the ones uh, down under as they say do they differ a little bit from the uk groups i mean are they more independent just because of the time zone maybe yeah well they're called chip packet project like New Zealand, they've become a charity. So although they use all our information, etc., they're obviously more independent. We found with the chip packet projects that they found it a lot, lot harder to get volunteers, to get people in, interacting and involved. I don't really know why that is. I don't know whether it's a language barrier. They've, they've been struggling. But as I say, Australian group and the New Zealand group have done amazing work with... Um, different organizations and charities, Duke of Edinburgh. So there's this web of volunteers, so as to speak, but you also have partnerships with a variety of organizations, right? Can you tell us a little bit about these partnerships and how they play into the whole impact that you're creating? So we have a few partnerships that are really helping us financially to keep our projects going and spreading awareness about what we're doing. So we've just partnered with, it's all very early days, but they're wanting to help us quite a bit. Durft and Partners, which are a company up in London, and they're helping us financially to keep our project going, which is absolutely fantastic. And we hope to go there and demonstrate and hold workshops for their employers and employees. We have Praxi Alliance, which again, have been a fantastic company again in, uh, I think, London. 
they uh, we have given them items that they've been handing out to their less fortunate communities and they've supported us for the last few years. Arnold Clark, amazing organisation, again, helped us with funding so we can buy our wash kit items uh, to put in our survival kit packs. We have East Sussex County Council, which has helped us crowdfunding match with projects that matter. That's helped us so that we can go out spreading awareness to schools and colleges, scouts, all different organisations with our workshops. We are on the second year with co-op, which is Swipe Your Membership Card Cause, which is a fantastic way of, again, raising money and awareness for our project. We have Rotary Local Rotary Club that's helped us, i.e. get our iMac. So without that, we wouldn't be able to hold our Zoom demonstrations so successfully. So that's pretty much our partnerships that are really, really helping us keeping our project running down in Hastings. Well, it seems that you have uh, partners who provide you support, sometimes in cash, sometimes in kind. And also you have partners who are charities who help you reach the products to the people who deserve them and need them. And you have partners who are public organizations, especially the one about crowdfunding. You know, I'm sure we all want to know a little bit more about it. Could you explain that? So the crowdfunding was on the internet. So um, the East Sussex County Council approached us and we could do a match funding with crowdfunding on the website. They were projects that matter. So we could go out to all different organisations like schools, colleges, scouts, brownies, you name it. We went out, church groups, took our lovely little mascot, Crispin, with us for the younger kids to hold two-hour workshops or assemblies to spread awareness on one clear plastic waste and crisp packets. So that was a match funding that they did. We've basically, the last year and a half, have been doing that, going to different organisations, holding workshops. So what I'm trying to understand is you put in a crowdfunding project and the public authority could could provide match funding and that got you to be able to hold workshops in the areas that they care about and get more volunteers for the project. Is that kind of what happened? Yeah, so anyone can open a crowdfunding page, but at this time, East Sussex County Council were running their own funding for projects that matter, which was only in the East Sussex area. So we were able to match fund what we raised. And then I want you to understand a little bit about the support that you get in Cash and Kind, which is what you said to run your project. Obviously, you're a volunteer-driven organisation. Could you help us understand what is the need for grants to support your own project or your own organisation? Well, because we're self-funded, obviously, we have rent to pay, heating to pay for, obviously, irons to make these projects cost money on the electric. So we do need donations. The public are very amazing as well. They donate through our PayPal. All these items, we can send them out for a donation or we can send them out to free for free for anyone that help needs items throughout the whole UK. So without all these grants or partners or the general public helping us, it wouldn't happen. We do have charity sales to raise money for CPP as well, but it, it isn't really enough to keep our organisation running, especially with the price of electric, et cetera, going up. Right. Well, I'm listening to you and I'm going to ask you this question that I can... Think about your project being in every, every 
emerging market, especially in the areas informal settlements, for example, in Africa or Asia, where there is so much of these crisp packets lying about, plastic waste lying about, people could put them together and, and create you know, sleeping bags for people in, in the informal settlements. To have literally thousands of projects like yours running in across Africa and Asia, what would it require to be done? Yeah, lots of admin and people willing to give up their time. I spend so much time on admin. As I say, we made our website as clear as we can so that anyone, anyone in the whole world can pick up this project and, and help someone. And we've done diagrams, videos, and this takes so much time to create, as you as you well know, doing podcasts. Out hundreds of hours we spent designing um, all, all of our videos to help anyone that wants to just get a few crisp packets together, a bit of clear plastic waste, and to make an item so that you can help someone that has nothing. To These are life-saving items that we made, especially um, in the cold of winter months. I'm going to summarize you know, what you last said. In that this is incredible, Penn, what you, what you just said, that with people volunteering their time, they can change lives. And you know what I'm taking away is that you don't have to build one large company to create real impact. Here is a small project starting from a small seaside town in the UK, which has had influence across multiple continents. People picking up these ideas, your product designs are all open source. Your processes, people can study them by attending a workshop and you can do this in any part of the world. And that is what is fascinating and to me, incredibly powerful. When you said what it requires admin time, it means people volunteering their time. It doesn't require money. It doesn't require super high technology. It just requires people focusing on this problem. And to me, that's the important message that you're providing. It is an absolutely, you're, you know, you're spot on, Sanjoy. It is an amazing, amazing project, making something out of nothing to help someone who has nothing. And it is about volunteering. And um, as I say, all our information is free just to help your one clear plastic waste and crisp packet problem in your area to make something to help someone. It's, it's a magic project. my last question is that if people from let's say africa or asia want to connect with you and you know sort of bring the bring you over and and speak to people who can volunteer time there are lots of people who can volunteer their time how should they get in touch with you well you can contact us on the chrispacketproject.com or the chippacketproject.com email us and we can send all the information over or you can have a look on the website and you know most of the information is on there how to fuse, how to make items, how to set up a CPP area group. Yeah, just drop us an email. Thank you very much, Ben. This is really wonderful. And I'm so happy that we did it. And I hope people from all over the world take you up on this offer. If you like this podcast, do visit us on regainparadise.org, regainparadise.com. Uh, you can reach out to me on LinkedIn. And you can also subscribe to these podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Google, Apple, and YouTube.